Well, good evening. It's good to have everyone out with us for our second half of our worship service. And it's always good to see each and every one of y'all for our second time today. Uh, tonight, it's hard to say tonight with the sun's up, is it not? This evening. This evening, we're going to look at a few things and to refresh our minds. We have covered these before, and I know we've dove into them before. But as we dive in tonight, again, tonight, this evening, <laughs> see that sunshine coming into the window, it's hard to say tonight. <clears throat> so as we look at Luke, Luke's writings, whenever he's talking very extently about building on the rock, as he has extensively covers about the examples of a faithful and evil servant, a couple of wonderful parables that Christ teaches. We're going to look at both of these, and we're going to cover more extensively, of course, the faithful servant and the evil servant. But here we are in Luke uh, chapter 6. We're going to start in verses 46 through 49 about this, this idea that Christ is using a, a wonderful example. And we're going to couple this again with Christ's teachings with the, the, our, our second example of the parable that he uses. So here Christ uses the example of building one's house on rock. Now when you think about a house, we think of a structure. We think of a, a building with, with four walls and a roof. This ain't what Christ is talking about. This parable is what he's referring to. Well, it's, that's not what he's trying to teach. He's trying to teach us how to build God's house. God's house, that is, our hearts. The, the place that God wants to reside, it's been reserved for him as faithful children, and we need to keep our house strong. In our example, of course, that Christ uses, and of course this is taught many times in a, in a VBS setting or a, or a child's Bible class, it's good for us to remember it as well. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? What, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Notice what was said. I made that reference before. It was several months ago about digging down, finding the rock, that is Christ, and building our foundation upon the basic principles of Jesus Christ. First off, we need to know who Christ is, who he represented, and what he stood for. Well, who is Christ, you might ask? Well, he is the Son of the living God. Who did he represent the Father? And who did he stand for, you and I? He stood in perilous times. He lived in a, a, a different time compared to you and I live. He lived in a, in, in a country that's different than you and I live here in the United States. And he stood up for what he believed. He tried to get that point across of who he was standing up for. Of who he was representing and who he was. 
Today, you and I need to find this rock. As Christ is using as an example of this house or coming off of a foundation to build our spiritual house. Yes, he uses the opposite end of the spectrum. But let's look at the, the first one that Christ uses. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid his, the foundation on the rock. So first off, why would he lay the foundation on the rock? Because a rock is unmovable. We're talking about a huge piece of rock. As Christ is used as our uh, example of our cornerstone, he is unmovable. So must you and I, yours and mine's foundation must be unmovable, to built off that rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house. Is our Christianity going to be smooth sailing all the time? Are we never going to have no difficulties to come through our lives? Are we never going to be not tested? Oh, we're going to be tested. The devil's going to pry and pick at us. There's going to be difficult times that's going to try our faith. It's, it's going to happen. This is the flood. When the streams and the waters beat violently upon the house. You ever seen a house in a flood? Typically it's picked up off its foundation and washed downstream. Typically. Christ is saying, be connected to your foundation. So your house is unmovable. His example goes as this. The reason why he uses this example. Being around the Jordan, they understood flooding. There was even seasons that the Jordan flooded. We have examples of that in our Bible. So when we're grounded and firm, deep in the love that is Jesus Christ, the examples that he has left back for us to follow, when we do those things that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father, we have found the rock and our spiritual house is connected to it. The reason why I say that. When difficult times come and you, you begin to question your faith, even yourself. You, you begin to question your faith. It happens, unfortunately. Why do I do the things that I have to do? Why am I doing this thing? And Why, why, why? It happens. That's Satan prodding at you. That's Satan trying to pull you away from your heavenly Father. Same thing Christ. Say, away from me, Satan. Is what we need to tell him. To remember, we have a house that's grounded and rooted in love. And no individual can take that away from us. We are the ones that give it up. By sinful living, turning our backs on God, we become disconnected from our foundation, and we're moved. We're very similar to this next scenario. One who does not build his house upon the rock. He builds it where there is no foundation. In verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation. Against which the stream beat vehemently. 
and immediately it fell. And ruin of that house was great. Did you notice the difference between the two? In verse 48, we learn that the house was founded on the rock, therefore it was unmoved. It couldn't, it could, the string couldn't shake it. Through perilous times or difficult situations in our spiritual lives, we are unmoved. But Christ says, if you hear these things and do not do them, well, your house is going to be destroyed. Not only will it be moved, it will be destroyed. Go back to your minds of those houses that in the previous floods that we've had, well, those folks have lost great property. Their houses are shown flowing down the river and they're just being torn into pieces. Complete waste. Completely destroyed. That's the example that Christ is using here. Of hearing the things He would have us to do and not doing them. He says the house was great. But due to great ruin was the outcome of the house. And the ruin of that house was great. I want us to look at ourselves in our two examples here. Are we movable in our faith? Or are we unmovable? Do we hold steadfast to that which is set before us? Because I seriously hope that we're holding fast. When Luke continues to write about two types of servants, I want you to take notice of verse 37 of Luke chapter 12. But our reading is not going to start there. So as you turn with me turn to Luke chapter 12 and verse 35 is when our reading is going to start here. In Christ, also another wonderful parable. Couple this with what we just studied, with what we just read, and just what we soaked in about two scenarios. We're going to have two scenarios here again. So we see one house that was unmovable, founded on the rock, hearing what Christ would have you to do, and do those things. Opposite of that is hearing what Christ would have you to do and not doing those things, which is sinful in and of its nature anyway. Because to... What is not a faith is sin, and sinning willfully uh, causes you to be an enmity against God, and that sacrifice for sin no longer avails or no longer remains. Notice what he says, uh, Luke, when he writes this in Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, and when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Notice what it said. This is referred to us as waiting for Christ's coming. This is Christ's parable. He's getting across to these folks, of course, to you and I today. He's trying to get across the point to be ready. Be ready. All right, so we read verses 35 and 36. I said take notice of verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. We see the master becoming the servant in this when the, when the servants do what he says. Again, previous to this, in the parable of the 
uh, building the house upon the rock. He says, if you hear my words and do them, you will be unmovable. Hard times are going to come. You're not going to give up your faith. You're not going to be tossed to and fro as the are in, in Ephesians that we just got through studying. No longer children, but have been grown up into Christ, which is the head. So we think about this. We think about these things when we couple these two parables together. This servant here, well, these servants, excuse me, these servants were watching because they don't want to, they don't want the thieves and the robbers to come in. They don't want someone to come in and take away the master's things in this parable. How many of y'all go up when you leave? You lock your doors. Yeah. Why, why do you lock your doors at home? When you, when you leave your home and you lock your doors, why do you do that? To protect it. To protect it. Okay. So so are, are there thieves and robbers out there? Are there thieves that will walk into your home and take your home away from you? Yeah. They will. And there, there are folks out there who do these things. It happened in the first century. It happened in Christ's day. It happens in our days as well, unfortunately. There are ungodly men who have to, who we have to protect our, uh, our property from, right? We have to do those things to lock our homes, our cars, or secure things. So here in Christ, is, in a nutshell, this is the example. Blessed are those servants whom when the master comes, finds watching. Well, there's our example of a faithful servant, is it not? Servants, it was, it was plural. But you notice the outcome and the blessings that come to those servants who were doing what they were supposed to be doing. When the master comes, we'll have them to sit down and the master will serve them. In verse 38. And if we should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. So I want to ask you a question. I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When's Christ coming? When, when's he coming? Anybody know? Even as Christ was here upon this earth, he didn't even know. I'm pretty sure he knows now because he's at the right hand of God. But only the Father. He said, only the Father in heaven, even the angels themselves in heaven don't know. I don't know being the Son. Only the Father in heaven knows when judgment day is coming. So why should we not be ready? Someone living in a flood zone might have difficulty getting flood insurance. If they do get flood insurance, it's going to be expensive, right? It's going to be, it's going to be pricey. Are they prepared for this flood to come? They are. And you have fire insurance on your house. Right? Some of you don't have fire insurance on your house. <laughs> Homeowners, right? You have insurance on your, on your home. Okay. What's the purpose of having insurance on your home? To be recompensated. To be able to rebuild. To be able to move on. Not to be completely at a loss. You are prepared for this horrible scenario if, if it ever happens. There's a lot of folks whom we are very well who have lost their homes in a fire. We've helped several folks here at Food Chapel when someone have lost things in a fire and we've helped them out. It's a horrible scenario. How about this? Here's a worse scenario. 
standing before our Heavenly Father unprepared. Right? Unprepared. Whether it's the second watch or the third watch. Blessed are those servants him finds watching. Verse 39. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into or plundered. If the master knew, he ain't going to leave. He's going to be right there waiting on the, the thief to come in. But the opposite of this, there's going to be some folks who are slothful in their watch. I see this at work, unfortunately. When, when the boss ain't there, everybody's in relaxed mode. Folks, can we actually get away from God? Can we get away from His vision? We can't get away from His knowledge, can we? We can't dig a hole deep enough. We can't, we can't get in a spot dark enough that we cannot be seen of our Heavenly Father. So why not be watching? Why not be ready? Now couple this with what we just discussed. So we see a blessed servant because he was watching, or those servants were watching for when the master come back, those servants were protecting his home. Well, first off, the home was there. Built upon a rock. The foundation was there. Difficult times come, and servants were left back to look over the house. Guess who's looking over God's house right now? We are. We are God's house. We are the temple of God. Back in the first century, whenever the old law was here, God had a specific spot in the temple. It was called the most holy. Well, that's been done away with. That's been torn away. Today, God abides in men's hearts. And ladies, you're included. In people's hearts. That's where God's dwelling place is. In His temple, we the children of God are His temple. For the temple of God is with men. It's not built by hands. For God needs nothing of us. He don't need something built of us. He doesn't need that. And all honestly, He don't even need us. If you think about it very carefully, think about it. Does God need people? He created us. He allowed us an opportunity to serve Him. He gave us an opportunity to worship Him. And that's the two purposes that people are here today, to serve and worship God. We see a house built on the foundation of the rock. Difficult times are going to happen into our lives. But even those little difficult times happen, what do we stop watching? We don't stop watching. We continue watching until the Master comes. We are ready for when our Lord and Savior says, come, go with me. Another instance that the Scriptures tell us to do is to take up our cross. When Christ says, take up our cross and follow Him. Have we done that? Have we been that house that we should be? Or are we unmovable? Letting things come in between us and God. 
Well, that's just like building a house without a foundation. And the ruin was great. Great was the fall. So my encouragement is this. To realize what Peter says in the next few verses. In verse 40. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And, he, and, and the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying and is coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him in two and point him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with a few. For everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Jesus' very own words. Think about this. We see the other end of that spectrum of the other servant just misbehaving altogether, not doing what his master told him to do. The other end of that spectrum, actually. So that servant knew the master's will and didn't do it. What did he, what did he get? Many stripes. And those who, did, who, who didn't know the master's will and still did wrong, they got a few stripes. They got stripes nonetheless, did they not? They did. But notice what Jesus says. Notice what he says about the will of the master. It kind of infers on we got to know what God's will is. We need to take notice of what he just says. Let me get my spot back. My red lines are starting to cross over. There it is, verse 47. Thank you, Mark. And that, and that servant who knew his master's will. Take notice of that. That should be in bold and in your mind. That servant who knew the master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. We do know that Jesus Christ is coming again, right? We, we, we do know that he is coming. He said he's coming. 
He has never been a liar. He will not be a liar and he will not lie to us. So as he says, I am coming, we don't know the day, time, or hour. So let's be like that wise servant. Let's be like that faithful servant. Well, first off, the wise servant is going to build his or her spiritual house upon the rock and find out what the will of God is and to do it. Hear Jesus' sayings and do those things that's pleasing unto God. For Christ will not lead us astray. He is our good shepherd, is he not? He gave his life for us. He will not lead us astray with his teachings. So hear those things and do them. Be pleasing in the eyes of God. Be, whether it be in the second hour, or the, the second watch, or the third watch, or whenever it happens, be ready at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Because nobody wants to be chastised by God on that day. Nobody. You might say, well, what do you mean chastise on that great day? After the great day, when your chastisement starts, it never ends. It never ends. That lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, it never ends. And that's the chastisement that Christ is getting a point across. Beaten with many stripes. To know that greater condemnation, to know what the will of God is, and you did not do them, but yet and still, those who out there who do not know the will of God, chastisement nonetheless. The greater condemnation is there. You have the knowledge to know, why, I'm, why am I here? I'm, I shouldn't be burning. I shouldn't be in this great pit of sorrow. I, don't, I shouldn't be here. I made horrible choices. What did I make those choices for that landed me here? Folks, today is still today. The sun is not yet set. I'm loving the longer days, by the way. The sun is not set. It is still today. We have still been given this wonderful opportunity to get right in the eyes of God. Have we sinned? Have we fallen short? Have we been like the, the, the foolish servant that says, I'm going to do what I want. I don't care what the will of the Father is. I know what he would have me to do. I'm not going to do it. <coughs> have we been that guy? We need to change. We need to get right before he comes. We need to be like the wise servant, the faithful servant. And continue watching for our Lord and Savior. Hearing those words and doing those words. So our house is unmovable. And watching over his house until he comes. I guess my question for you right now is, are you ready? Are you ready for him to come right now? Because if you're not ready right now, change needs to happen. What a wonderful time and opportunity to change as you've been made aware of your sins and your outcomes and your iniquities needs to be washed away with baptism. Why wait? Why hesitate? Put Christ on and have those sins washed away. But all of us in this audience and several who are listening to this message may say, well, I've been baptized for the remission of sins, but you know what? I've not been the person who I should have been. I might have moved just a little bit. I might have taken my eyes off the prize just a little bit. Well, that little bit of sin will cost us salvation. 
to know the will of the master, the entire will of God, and to not to do any one part of it results in condemnation. Purge those sins from your life. Turn away from them. Repent of them. Ask God for forgiveness. Be right in the eyes of God. Why don't we do so as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation?